shotglassdigital.com. On this episode of Geek Out Loud, Erish Schoenweis from Delray Publishing stops by to not talk his usual gimmick of Star Wars. We're talking about the king of all monsters right here on your safe place to geek out. This is the Geek Out Loud podcast. everyone and welcome to geek out loud your safe place to geek out on these here interwebs my name is steve glosson so glad to be along with you and i want to introduce our special guest who's along for the ride i don't think he knows what he's getting himself into tonight uh i met this guy in person finally down in orlando at disney star wars weekends and i'll talk to him about that in just a little bit but uh he is from delray publishing you've heard him before a bazillion times on Rebel Force Radio, we stole him for this show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome, welcome, welcome to the show, Eris Schoenweis from Delray. Eris, thanks for being here. Hey, Steve, thanks for having me on. Man, it's uh, I'm I'm stoked about it. You, uh, it, it's funny because we were we were at Disney Star Wars weekends, and usually if I see someone that I know that I you know that I know who they are. And these type of things, I'm very much the guy who's like, well, I'm not going to bother them. You know, they're here to see Jimmy Mack. I'm not going to say, but you came up to me and you're like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, I'm talking. Uh, anyone who gets on Rebel Force Radio except me, I always feel like there's a, they're a bit of a celebrity. And so I'm like, I'm talking to a celebrity here. Now, I'm just Steve, and I, and I never see myself that way, but I'm just like everyone else that comes on. I'm like, well, they're, they're important. They're important. They're important. And so you coming up to me was a big deal to me. Well, we did the uh, we did the Kenobi roundtable together last year. That's right, on RFR, and uh, I had a good time talking to you, and was really impressed with a lot of the comments and things you had to say on that. And uh, and I've heard you a few more times on uh, on Rebel Force Radio. I'm like, you know, this guy's just a really cool cat. Well, that, let so me tell you when something. When I heard uh, when I heard Jimmy mention on the show that you were going to be part of the meetup, I had actually been emailing with jimmy about it i'm like yeah i have to meet steve like i'm looking forward to meeting him so <laughs> well it was cool and we didn't end up getting to talk a lot jimmy pulled you over to get you on the show and everything and um and and you said something there we talked about it a little bit but you said something there you're like every t- everywhere i go people want to talk star wars and you know because that's your job um but uh but i was like well come on geek out loud we'll talk about anything but so even though I, we've got some star wars talk to get through tonight but well, I'm like, yeah, I mean, there was some news today. Just too, a touch, yeah, just a touch. Um, 
and and I was like, uh, I was like, we'll talk about stuff other than Star Wars, and you're like, okay. <laughs> so I'm I'm trying to tuck away all of my uh, Star Wars novel questions and book questions down, and uh, and all the book fans are yelling at me right now by not taking the opportunity. But I, you know what? The thing is, is once you're here, you've got an open invitation. You're now officially part of what we like to call the Goliverse. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, we have a we have a a, a network of podcasts not not to the not to the level of shot glass digital but the geek out loud network has several and and one of the things we do we're actually live right now at mixer.com slash big honking show and Eric, i'm going to tell you this because i'm i'm doing my stan lee every comic is someone's first comic bit here uh the big honking show is a is actually a radio show that i did uh here at local radio in my town and got canned twice and um <laughs> And so I'm like, well, I know how to do a podcast. I'll just podcast. And so um, I uh, I started doing this thing live here on, on this. And so I'll do the Big Honkin' Show on days that I'm not doing Geek Out Loud stuff. And we just kind of hijack the Big Honkin' Show live feed for all the geeks to come in and have a good time. I like it. Yeah. And so I, I'm going to play you a taste of, if, if you're missing out on the Big Honkin' Show, uh, let me play everyone a taste of, of what they're missing. It's the story of a beginning. Then came the darkness. At last, a hero will rise. Experience the Bible like never before with the Christian Bale Audio Bible. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. The Christian Bale Audio Bible also features a special guest appearance by actor Tom Hardy as Bane. Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said you shall not eat the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You've never heard the Bible like this. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The Christian Bale Audio Bible comes packaged with a series of studies and commentaries designed to help you apply the Word of God to your life and ask the difficult questions we all face. Titles of the studies include Why Do We Fall? Becoming More Than Just a Man and Climbing Out of the Pit. This is the audio Bible that every hardcore Christian Bale fan needs. At that time, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, said to Abraham, God is with you in all that you do. Now therefore, swear to me, hereby God, that you will not deal falsely with me, 
or with my descendants. It's the audio Bible you deserve and the one you need right now. Now, Arish, I'm not I'm not trying to put you on the spot here, and I don't know what kind of audiobook suggestions you can make there in your role, um, but I feel like you've got a winner right there. <laughs> well, luckily, I don't work for the audio group, so I really have no influence in that, but it definitely had me laughing listening the, uh, to that. On the, uh, on the Big Honkin' Show, we go through just stupid news stories and different things that happen, and we... Well, every now and again, ha- come across a story where uh, someone has done something that we just say is worthy of them being a real-life superhero. And there was this pastor who his church had been broken into several times, and so he started staying at his church through the night. And about 3 a.m., the dude came to break into it again, and the pastor chased him down and tackled him and held him till the police got there. And uh, and so I was just like, this guy's Batman. This is to-. and so we started doing some stuff. And and one of the listeners, uh, one of the things about the Big Honkin Show is listeners will cut these fake commercials and send them in. And we'll take breaks and everything and just play these things. And uh, our friend John Reed from the Chicago area uh, sent that in, and um, it's been it's been a big hit ever since he sent it in. So. It's a you know. fun little clip. It is. It's a trip. It's a trip. Uh, also on the show, what we like to do is make sure that we are hearing what uh, you, the listening audience, has to say, the greatest listening audience in the podcast universe. And uh, for that, we'll jump into some emails. All right, we've got a couple here we're going to get to um, and uh, really quickly because uh, normally we'll, we'll do a few more than what we're doing, but the snippets are going to be big today. <laughs> our snippet. snippet, yeah, our snippet section is actually going to be pretty substantial. So um, let's uh, let me let me roll through these real quick. Chris says, "Dear Steve." Just want to let you know how much I enjoyed the latest episode of Goal. I listened to it while enduring a long, hard night at work, and your podcast certainly helped me make it through. The, the morning I got off, I went straight home, clicked on the TV, and to my, light, there was, to my delight, rather, there was a Memorial Day Rocky Marathon on. Now, on the last episode, um, I talked Rocky. Eric, I don't know how you feel about the Rocky movies. I love the Rocky movies. Who doesn't? So... I was just kind of I've I've said Rocky is for me if there was no Star Wars Rocky would be my Star Wars. That's how much I love all 6 of those movies, even 5. You love 5? I love 5 less than I love the rest of them, but I still love it. Yeah, no, I can't as much as I like like 1 2 3 4 and e- even the la- the Rocky Balboa the the last oh, one he Oh, Rocky did. Balboa was amazing. <laughs> no, 5 is just horrible. Oh, it's Horrible. There's so much wrong with there's that. There's there's a lot wrong with it, but there's some the hearts there. It's like it. I look at Rocky Five oh. the same way I look at Superman Four: The Quest for Peace. Oh no, that's horrible too. It's horrible, but the heart is there. You can see the heart behind what's going on, and so I mean, Christopher Reeve, bless his heart, he he wanted it to be good, and he wrote some some moments that had some 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 heart to it, but it just didn't work out in the end. No, that's Superman a case four. where somebody needs to step in and speak truth to power and just say, we can't make this. This is just horrible. <laughs> that's true. That's what that's what Superman 4 was for sure. Yeah. Um, well, that's what Rocky 5 was too. Well, see, I don't know. I think that if... 
I don't want to speak ill of the dead. I think the best thing about Rocky Five now is that Eric from uh, from Entourage yeah. played his played the kid who beats up his son in that. Is movie. Is that okay? So he he went on to greater things. Yeah, um, and it'd be great if we could go back and while uh, while Jade Stallone that that was his name, right? Sage Stallone, yeah. Sage Stallone. While he's getting beat up by E, he should just say he should just tell him like, "Hey, tell Sloan I said hello." <laughs> And that would be the reason for E to beat him up, but well, yeah, that movie is just horrible. It's it's I'm telling you, it's got some heart there. But anyhow, um, Chris agrees with you. You know, he talks about. He said he was watching. He said if you want to put his two cents in the Rocky saga, so here it goes. You're right. The Rocky franchise ranks right up there along with uh, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and Back to the Future franchises. I also agree with you about the part where Rocky goes to the Spectrum Arena the night before the first fight and realizes that he can't beat Apollo as being the best moment of the whole saga. Now, I didn't say that was the best moment of the whole saga. It was just that moment in that film that that was a great moment to me. It epitomizes who and what Rocky's all about. I also got to go right along with your thoughts about Rocky II being one of the few sequels that actually surpasses the original. Just allow me to add Superman II to that list, along with Empire Strikes Back, of course. And this is where he says, here's where you and I part ways. I don't know how to put this judicially, so I'll just come right out and say it. Rocky V sucks. My reasons for saying that, you ask? One, there's no way that Rocky and Adrian would entrust their finances to Paulie, of all people. Um, Paulie got duped, and he got Rocky to sign over power of attorney to the people. It wasn't, they weren't entrusting Paulie. Oh, Pauly. no. See, I, yeah. completely agree. I completely agree with Chris on that. You might, Rocky might as well have given all of his money to a homeless man on the street. <laughs> well, they pretty much did. Exactly, but, which kind of proves his point but, here. But see, the guy got into Paulie and was like, hey, you need to get Rocky to sign these because he's going overseas, and so we're going to make sure that you know everything's taken care of while he's there. And so Paulie's like, yo, Rock, you need to sign these things. And uh, Rocky's like, okay, I mean, I'll sign it. You want me to fight a fight? I'll fight the fight. I'll sign the papers. You want me to sign the papers? <laughs> and so, <laughs> um, uh, but I don't think they entrust their finances to Paulie. I think Paulie got duped, and instead of going through Adrian, the two boys just kind of went the other route. But um, uh, he says, I think someone was trying to illustrate the fact that a lot of fighters go broke after they're retired. But uh, certainly he could have come up with a better way than this. He's Number two, he says, the fake Don King. I can't remember the actor's name, but it was painfully obvious that this was who he's portraying. He could have at least stayed away from King's catchphrase only in America. I agree with that. I do agree that George Washington Duke was too much of a, uh, a Don King character. Uh, and then number three says, the street fight. Since he's supposed to have brain damage, why have him fight at all? Well, because you gotta have Rocky fight in the end. Yeah, I mean, you can't have a Rocky movie and not have him fight. And I, you know, and that's one of those moments when he's down and and he's kind of out and 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 Mickey looks down and says, "Get up," you know. I'm like, okay. And then and then the Rocky fanfare kicks in. And he's like, I don't hear no bells. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I love it. I do love it. <laughs> oh, but I mean. Yeah, I mean, you sent me you sent me Chris's email mm -hmm. and uh, reading through it. The, the biggest problem with Rocky Five with Tommy the Machine Gun Morrison. Yes, listen, there's there's a moment after he wins the belt and he's at that press conference, and they come and he comes storming out and he's kicking the door and he's like, I don't know why everyone's calling me a rope. He's what he's I don't know why I got to do to get respect around here. I, I won the fight. I won the match. I'm the champion of the world. And he kicks the door. He's like, and I'm tired of everyone calling me a robot too. And I'm like, well, you did you forget your line there before you kicked the door, buddy? And you just had to throw that in. It was a really oh. weirdly written and delivered situation. All of his stuff was very over. 
his stuff was very much a high schooler acting on stage. He wasn't he wasn't the best actor, and he, and and I think you know, and and the guy who uh, who Rocky fought in Rocky Balboa it was a legit boxer, just like Tommy Gunn was, Tommy Morrison, but um, but he kept his screen time down to a minimum, right? In Rocky Balboa, which I think was smart. So, well, and after I mean after Apollo Creed, Clubber Lang, and Ivan Drago, yeah. I, I mean you've got three great villain yes. boxers right yeah. there, and. You know Apollo Creed, we came to love him in the end, mm-hmm. but you know it's just it's really hard to keep going to the well and coming up with another great foe for Rocky to yeah. fight, and, and especially and, with him getting older in each movie too. Yeah. And he and that kid wasn't Tommy Morrison, bless his heart, God rest his soul, wasn't um, wasn't the best villain. That wasn't the, you know, and maybe maybe that's the difference. Maybe if they would have had more of a villain for him. People would have received Rocky Five better. I don't know. I mean, Uh, I I don't think it would have helped. Like whenever, whenever I'm doing a a Rocky walkthrough, I still dig it. And that's one of the other things I dug about Rocky Balboa is that with Mason the Line Dixon, um, they didn't Mason the Line Dixon. Yeah, they didn't make him out to be a villain per se. No, you know, he went to Rocky. He said, "Look, I'll take care of you. You know, but if you take a cheap shot, and Rocky's like, well, you know, a lot of people come to Vegas to lose. I didn't. You know." and he gets serious in the fight, but he's never a bad guy. In fact, you kind of like him when he goes and sits down with his trainer. I loved Rocky Balboa, by the way. It was the only Rocky movie I got to see in a theater. And uh, Oh, no, I remember seeing... Uh, my dad took me to see Rocky Three, and oh. I hadn't even seen Rocky One or Two. Yes. It was just like, Dad, this looks good. I want to go see this. And I loved that movie. Mm. I, Rocky Three. Just, I think because I saw it in a the theater and because I was... I don't know, 12, 13, yeah. when that came out. That's probably my favorite of the three Rocky movies, even though once, you know, as I got older and watched the other ones, I sure I understand that the, the first and second ones were, you know, better movies. Right, but right. for emotional reasons, Rocky Three is my favorite of all of the movies. And, I mean, it's got Hulk Hogan as yes. Thunderlips. The Thunderlips, baby, yeah. It's got that <laughs> awesome Survivor song in it that, you know, if you need to get pumped up for anything, you're putting Eye of the Tiger on. Exactly, exactly. Um, I, I love... It's got, the, it's got the classic running scene on the beach with the... him and Apollo Creed and, like, <laughs> slow-mo jumping in the air and hugging oh, each other. And, and it stuff. always stressed me out. I'm like, their shoes are getting so wet right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Mr. I mean, T was just... Just awesome. Have you ever he was walked around? Such a, a great bad guy. Have you ever walked around in wet shoes? Yeah. I mean, it's not, especially on the yeah, beach. I did at Animal Kingdom. At, oh, uh, yeah. I got drenched on oh, the, no. the Rapids okay. ride and had to walk around oh, in wet shoes for like I hate an hour. it. I hate it, especially on the beach. But yeah, Mr. T, man. Breakout role for Mr. T. That moment when he's in the back and, you know, the, the and before the second fight. Yep. And they're like, do you have any predictions? He's like, predictions? Pain. Pain. I'm like, Classic. Well, and then just think about it in the terms of pop culture. Mr. T followed up Rocky Three by hanging out with Hulk Hogan all the time, yes, doing all the yes, WrestleMania yep. stuff, doing you know that classic Saturday Night Live sketch with Billy Crystal, yes. the "You Look Marvelous" and stuff. I mean, it, there was just all this great Mr. T stuff, like mm-hmm. all around that Rocky Three movie. Yes, yeah. It, it, I mean, that was the launching pad for him. And and it was, but that movie I I it was my first Rocky as well. 
It came on TV, and for some reason, my mom's like, well, I'm going to record this for you because I think you'll like it. And so I watched it first, and I'm telling you, I wore that videotape out. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, I loved it. And then down the road, yeah, Rocky 1 and 2, I'm like you, Rocky 1 and 2 are better movies, you know, the story-wise and everything. But as far as a, a movie that will leave you pumped at the end, Rocky 3 is it. Yeah. Uh, you know, right? I mean, that fight at the end where he's like, I mean, it's some of the worst trash talking ever. He's like, at least I ain't breathing heavy. Yeah. Uh, you know, but oh, he's like, but come then on, it, you ain't it so even bad. has the fun little moment with him and, and Creed at the end, the ding ding. Yes, yes. You know, the two of them. Yes, yes. Um, I love it. I, I have to say, Rocky Two drags a little bit for for me. It does you know, until Adrian wakes up and Mick's like, well, what are we waiting for? <laughs> Well, I was going to say know, that's sh- when that's when I'll start watching Rocky too, because that's when it really kicks in for me. But just, it's just got that that period where he's just sitting over her hospital bed for like it feels like forty five minutes. It does, of the movie. it does. But there's that moment that Mick has with him before that whole little montage starts, and and Mick's talking to him in the chat. He's like, oh, I don't want to get waked up in a biblical place like this. Yes, you know. Yes. And he's like, You're a hell of a lot better than that kid. A hell of a lot. And. Uh, <laughs> But then he's and he's like, but I'll go down with you. Basically, he says, if you're going to lose, I'll lose with you. I'll sit here yeah. with you and pray. And I just I love those little character moments throughout the entire series of Rocky. That you have those little moments where um, the people that are closest to Rocky and the people in Rocky himself, you just kind of get to see those little things that he just he he brings out the the heart in the people around him. So yep. Um, but anyhow, uh, the other thing I love about the Rocky movies is that. They all start where the one before it left off. Yes, yes. I just think that's so cool. Yep. And it's so much fun when you're marathoning them. Mm-hmm. It just makes it kind of seamless. And I don't know that there's any other... I guess Back to the Future kind of does that a little bit. Back to the Future and the the um, the Resident Evil movies do it. Okay, see, I've not watched the Resident Evil movies. That's oh, not that's uh, not up uh, my that's not up my alley. Those things, uh, you know, it's generally not up mine. But there's something about those Resident Evil movies that uh, I love them. They all have the big splash, kind of classic comic book splash page cliffhanger ending to it. Oh yeah, and then the next one, you know, that's how it starts. Oh wow. Well, by um, God, they're very much cinematic comic books to hmm. me. Well, I'll have to. I might have to check those out on Erish's. Uh, on Erish's words, uh, Chris. But yeah, they def they do that same thing that the Rocky movies yeah. do, where it, the the next one begins exactly how the one before it ended. And that's an iconic thing that I think a lot of people, you know, they've aped here and there for different stuff, being funny or you know, kind of played off of. But again, that was I mean, that's that's one of those iconic things about those movies is is yep. the starting point for all the sequels is just. You know, you're recapping the very end of the first of the one prior to it. So, and they do it during like the opening credits. Yes. Also. yes. So you, you're not sitting through like a a 15 minute James Bond opening credit <laughs> scene or <laughs> right. whatever. It's like it just gets you right into it the, you the right story into right away. And picks right up where most, for the most part, picks right where it left off. Which again yeah. is one of the um, one of the problems with Rocky Five for me is. You know, they fly to Russia, and apparently they flew through some time vortex because his son aged, uh, you know, four or five years, uh, apparently, between Rocky Four and Rocky Five. Well, maybe they got Eric Snowden in Russia and, you know, got held over there for a while. They might, couldn't leave the country. Might have. Might have. That's why they were so glad to get back. Um, 
Chris ends by saying, "I hope you don't get at me like get mad at me like you did that guy on YouTube for saying Rocky Five sucks." Two episodes ago, a listener had sent in a link to the YouTube video of "What If Episode One Was Good," <laughs> and I just kind of hit a breaking point and I snapped and I went off for about five minutes about how I'm tired of people being stupid. So anyhow, <laughs> oh, but people are entitled to their opinions. They things. they are, but. You know, it's I, my point was it's the same old tired stuff. We've heard all these things before. If you think you can do, because this guy was like, "What if I were?" A, he said, "If I were a story executive at Fox," and I'm like, "You don't understand how George Lucas made those movies." Then, yeah. if you think he went to a story exec, you're ridiculous. And and I'm like, if you think you can do better than Lucas, my whole point was go do it. You know, you've got the world at your fingertips with the with the internet. Go go do better. It's one thing I, to criticize. It's one thing to criticize and be constructive in it because I mean I'm going to tell you straight up toward the end of the show here I'm going to be doing that with Godzilla, but it's another thing just to bash and and to just kind of be snarky and and just kind of try to be the smartest person in the room and and, and know that you can't do what what George Lucas did. Yeah, and I think that particularly with the prequel movies. You know, it, it's it, it's kind of become cliche almost mm-hmm. to to be bashing on them. Right. It, it, it's one thing to to take a critical eye to them and point out the flaws. And let's be honest, there are flaws in those movies. Yes. Yes. Um, but it's another thing to just you know throw it under the bus because it's easy for you to throw it under the bus. Right. Right. And, and I think the other thing that Star Wars really has that uh, some other franchises maybe don't have is there there sort of is a generational divide amongst them you know mm-hmm. there's those of us who saw the original trilogy when we were kids and you know that's on like the highest pedestal that you can put them on those are sacred movies to yes. us yes but you know i have three nephews ages 5 to 13 and if you talk to them about star wars it's the prequel trilogy. And I think that anybody who has kids out there would probably say something very similar. So it, it, in a lot of ways, it's sort of a generational thing. You know, how old were you when you saw these movies? And I think for an adult to slag on the prequel movies, isn't fair because, you know, go back to when you were a kid and you saw the original trilogy, you know, would you have appreciated it? If, you know, your parents were slagging on it or something? No. Oh, my parents, uh, my my dad especially, has talked about how he loves Star Wars, but those other two were just ridiculous. Yeah. And I'm like, are you serious? I looked at him like, are you serious? When, it, when he finally said that to me, I was, I was a little bit older. I was, you know, maybe in college or it was right around the time the prequels were coming out. And I'm like, are you serious right now? I'm like, what are you talking about? The other two weren't good. He's like, they just weren't. They weren't. I'm like, what are you talking? I'm like, look at you. Who do you? What do you? And I and and I just kind of was blown away that my dad was like, a that my dad was offering his opinion on Star Wars, but b that that he that he was like, I don't really care for the other two. And I'm like, there's something wrong. There's some kind of disconnect in your head, father. I've um, uh, I've started trying to see a lot of these big summer, you know, tentpole movies, kind of through the same eyes that I saw these kind of movies when I was a kid. And right. when I go to the movies with my nephews, it, it really allows me to do that. But, uh, you know, we saw amazing Spider-Man two, mm-hmm. you know, a month ago or whatever. And 
not going to spoil anything or whatever, but I just, I hated that movie. Yeah. And, you know, we walked out of the theater and we were all talking about it. And I was, you know, talking to my three nephews about all the things I didn't like about it. And my middle nephew just looked at, at me. He's like, why do you always have to be a bummer about these <laughs> things? And, you know, it, that's when it dawned on me that for the three of them, they really liked the they movie. They dug it. Wow. And, and so then, you know, I just, I'm like, okay, you know, I can't, I can't look at this like I'm a 44 year old guy and like yeah. how I would make this when I go see them. I just got to like put all that aside and just try and have fun with it. And, you know, when we get into the Godzilla conversation, my take on Godzilla, I'm guessing, is very much different from yours. Well, because I certainly did that with Godzilla. Okay. And I was the seven year old kid sitting amongst them, like hmm. getting all excited and stuff as we watched that movie. Well, so I'm excited to get there. I, I will say this I did finally get to see Amazing Spider Man 2. And I came out of that theater so conflicted because, on one hand, I knew everything that was wrong with that movie. But on the other hand, it made me feel so many things. And like that last scene um, where, you know, the last scene. Yeah. Just I was like, this, this is so perfect. I love, you know, I was just like, oh, and and I was just I was taken with it. And so I so I walked out feeling great, even though I knew there was a lot wrong with it. Um, yeah, and so I, I, I get that. That last scene was a fun scene. Yeah. We needed more of those. Yes, last scenes I completely agree. Completely agree. And, and just by the way, what's your spoiler policy here? Uh, we're going to spoil the heck out of Godzilla. Okay. Um, you know, we're not going to we're not going to shy away from spoilers in the main conversation. A lot of times, if All I'm right. not talking about something specifically and it just kind of comes up, I don't spoil it because people generally know if we come on, we're saying we're going to talk about Godzilla. They know, okay, well, okay. it's going to be spoiled. But I, yeah, I don't want to ruin something for somebody. Yeah, as, you yeah. Know. So I tr I try not to be like I was very adamant that we were not going to mention that Bucky was the Winter Soldier on our podcast, um, simply because. I knew there were a lot of people who listen that don't read comics. Yeah. And there were a lot of folks just kind of taking it for granted that folks knew that. And so there was an episode where, um, where, where one of my co-hosts or, or the guy who is generally the co-host, he's talking and he mentioned it. And so I just started bleeping it out. And then as a bit for the rest of like the next five minutes, we kept saying Bucky. So I had to bleep it out every time. And I never want to have to do that again. But I just, I felt like if there are people listening, kids listening, who don't know, I don't want to ruin it for them. Right. So let let Marvel do that in a preview or something if they're going to do that, but not All me. Right. So. Well, I will be happy to help you spoil Godzilla for yeah, everyone, I'm looking, but otherwise I'll try not to spoil anything. Yeah, else. I mean, you know, we. I just, I don't know. I do want to talk about Amazing Spider-Man 2 because I do have, it's weird, I have a lot to say about it. and um, But at the same time, uh, that's not what we're here to do. So anyhow. <laughs> There's another episode, my friend. <laughs> there, there you go. Um uh, the next email comes from Tim. Now Tim has emailed in a couple of times, and uh, and we kind of got we've gotten into this discussion of the he has a theory that it was actually Palpatine that killed Padme, and uh, and we've had a conversation back and forth. Teresa Delgado was on last time, and she was talking about you know how she looked at the situation from a female perspective and that sort of thing, and um, and so but Tim brings up a couple of questions here he says i really appreciate hearing your and Teresa's thought on my theory even though you don't agree with it because i don't necessarily agree with it i still choose to look at it this way because it answers questions for me such as how did palpatine know she was dead 
he couldn't have had spies there. He would have ordered an attack with Obi-Wan and Yoda being there, but that's beside the point. I think having different viewpoints is what makes Star Wars fans great as long as they keep it civil and avoid the condescending attitude toward whatever part they like the best. Now, Tim goes on to tell his Star Wars story, born in October 76, grew up a fan of the original movies, but to be honest, even with very few missteps, he says he prefers the updated versions to the originals. Should Han have shot first? Absolutely. The second of the movie, that second of the movie notwithstanding, how can anyone watch the dogfight to blow up the Death Star in its original version and prefer it after seeing how much improved the effects are now? But if anyone does, that's their opinion, and I don't believe anyone's opinion is ever truly wrong. Well, sometimes. Um, I love the prequels and consider them to be equals to the original trilogy. I know I'm in the minority, especially in my age group, but that's my opinion. I respect anyone else's. I simply have one rule when it comes to liking something. If you haven't seen it, you're not allowed to have an opinion on it. My wife kept telling me she didn't like Rocky, even though she'd never seen them. And after trying for months, I finally made a deal with her that if she watched the first three and she didn't like it, I wouldn't make her watch the last three. Guess what? We watched all six and she liked them all. I get so sick of the internet making it cool to hate everything. The prequel Star Wars trilogy was amazing. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull fit right in with the others and for my money was better than Temple of Doom. That's shocking. The Michael Bay Transformers movies are, are a good fun time. The G.I. Joe movies were both fun escapes. I could go on and on, but that's just my opinion. Thanks for the safe place to geek out. Um, let me get your opinion on this because Tim is saying that <clears throat> because it came up from one email, someone was talking about Palpatine's greatest lie. And I was talking about the fact that um, Palpatine, through all those years with Vader, like he never sat down with Vader and was like, look, there's something I need to tell you. You didn't kill Padme. I made that up so you would be under my control. Um, you know, he never sits down and tells him, look, you didn't kill Padme. Vader goes the rest of his days thinking that he killed Padme. And uh, Tim kind of wrote in and said, well, I think that, that through the Force, the Emperor did it, um, you know, so that she would be out of the way. No, I think Anakin did it. So you do think Anakin killed her? I think Anakin sub. I think not willingly, but I think the dark side of the Force through Anakin kind of poisoned her. Hmm. There's there's an interesting line in uh, I believe it's in Matt Stover's episode three novelization, mm -hmm. and I, I, I'm not 100 percent positive on this because it's been years since I read the book. Right. But I think that he hints that in episode two, because we basically go from Padme looking at Anakin like a little brother to now she's wearing that slinky black dress at dinner and, you know, like, hello, Anakin, <laughs> what do we have here? And we can't do um, anything. But that Anakin was so powerful in the force that he was able to subconsciously will her to fall in love with him. Mm, wow. And that, uh, that, you know, just, you know, not realizing he was doing it, but he was so in love with her, so kind of obsessed with her a little bit, I think, that his force powers were so strong that he was doing these things to her without either of them realizing it. And so when he fully turns to the dark side at the end and they have that confrontation on the landing platform and Obi-Wan's there and he misconstrues everything and stuff that, you know, that's kind of by breaking that link with, with Padme mm -hmm. there where she's like, you know, I can't follow where you're going, you know, that, that, that just kind of destroyed her. Mm. And I don't know. It's one of those things. I think 
everybody's going to have a different opinion on it. Yes. You know, it's it's so it's so vague in the way it's told that I don't think there's a right or wrong way to look at it. Right. And and Tim kind of says that and I and I tend to agree with that. I like the idea that it I always think Star Wars is at its best when it answers a question or two but gives you 50 more. And yeah. and in this situation you know, the medical droid says it just seems she's lost the will to live. To everyone else, that's kind of groan-inducing. But, gosh, with that situation... See, it's been so long since I read the Episode 3 novelization. Um, and I know it fleshed out a whole lot more stuff. Just the scene with the uh, with Palpatine and the Jedi when they come in. You know, and, and as yeah. far as it, it's treason then. Um, you know, just that... Just so many little nuances that are that are fleshed out... Uh, I never even thought about the fact that through the Force, he kind of willed her, almost Jedi mind-tricked her without knowing it. Yes. Man. Yeah, subconsciously did it. Wow. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody. I've got to go... Con- <laughs> I've got to go consider this. <laughs> so, well, I'll tell you what. Let's... Uh, let me... Go let back me- to the bookshelf and pull Stover's book down. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. Well, how about this? How about I just um, <laughs> why don't I promote someone else's podcast while <laughs> why why I recover? I'm Bo and I'm Bell, and we want you to check out Flash TV Talk. Flash TV Talk is your source for news, reviews, and spoilers for the upcoming CW show, The Flash. But wait, there's more. Every week we get hyped with discussion and commentary on The Flash and his previous TV incarnations, including. Smallville, Justice, Justice League Unlimited, Flashpoint Paradox, Young, Young Justice, Justice, and more. Accelerate your fandom with us on Flash TV Talk. Search for us on iTunes or find us online at flashtvtalk.podestery.com. That's P-O-D-A-S-T-E-R-Y.com. All right, on to the snippets, the little, our little, uh, well, snippets. There's no better word for it. I can't think of any way to, if you don't know what a snippet is, I'm, I, I don't know how to best explain it to you. The first snippet uh, I've got here, um, Erish, is have you seen Solar Freaking Highways? I have not. What is Solar Freaking Highways? They're Solar Freaking Highways. <laughs> There's a there's a YouTube video that's come out. There's this engineering couple. They met when they were kids and uh, fell in love, I guess, and and love through the power of science. And they've uh, they they've apparently think they've come up with an idea uh, to pave roads with solar panels. And um, oh. it's there's a there's a great YouTube video uh, on with it. The moose. Yeah, with the moose, yeah, and uh, and and the guy, and basically they've got a an Indiegogo campaign. I haven't looked at it in, in the past couple of days, but um, but she, but the dude, they did it first, and it's very, it's very how it's made, you know, uh, very dry and just out there. And so this guy comes along, and is like, well, let me help you sell this solar freaking roadways. And he does this whole thing where he gives the information, but he just does it in kind of a funnier way and um and these the, the the basically the idea is you've got solar panels on these things you also have an led display so that the roads are are lighted um 
and and they end up powering you know you end up having a power grid based on your road infrastructure you know they talk about paving driveways or parks or parking lots with them and um and and there's been some stuff that's come out where you know everyone there's always got to be someone to be a negative nancy about things <laughs> and they're coming out saying well it's be too expensive it, you know it's not it's not rational it's you know it's too much money to do this and 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 i saw someone say this wouldn't be a viable option until 2050 i'm like well start now you know if it, because the idea it seems like that this couple has worked out most of the problems you know they answered a lot of the questions i had when i was watching their actual presentation about you know how are these things protected can can it sustain could these roads sustain being driven on over and over and over again that kind of thing and and they seem to have you know have their ducks in a row they're an engineering couple so i i, I would hoped you'd seen that i should have put a link to the youtube video I'm watching it right now yeah <laughs> what part are you at <laughs> uh there's a deer on the road and yeah. his feet are lit up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the idea is they're pressure-sensitive uh, plates, you know, that you could set and that and that could actually warn you that there's an obstruction of head, you know, if you're driving down the road. That way, you don't run up on a deer too fast, or the deer's I actually. I think it's a kind of a clever idea. It is. It is clever, and um, and the idea. A lot of people are saying are just is just the expense of it and the unreliability of the the unreliability of the technology right now and, and the being able to drive on it but i just want to say hey why not start working on it why not start developing it's a great idea well because i think we have to wait wait to put the maglev under it first yeah so that we can drive <laughs> <you> our <laughs> our magnet propelled cars oh over. indeed indeed um so just if we're going to do this, let's combine the two technologies just go together. Ahead and, just go ahead and make it happen. Yeah. And, and apparently, you know, at night with the LED displays and everything, it ends up looking like the roadways of the future. Looks like freaking Tron. So solar freaking roadways. Um, th there are problems with it. You know, I don't want to get too serious about this stuff. But, you know, big oil and, and energy companies would never, would never go for this. They would do everything in their power to try to, to stop it. But... I well, like you'd think an energy company might embrace it because they could turn around and sell the electricity. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, you know, but um, uh, you know, you know, I tell you, it's money runs the world. But I just think it's really cool. If you haven't seen the video, look at it. It's, you know, it's nice to dream. There's no sense. We're, you know, stop, stop, stopping the dreams, guys. Come on. Well, I think they should start by building the basketball and tennis courts yes. that they suggest here first. Yeah. And if th they can prove that that works, then, uh, you know. Then go from there. Maybe I agree. find some small town as the test engine to try uh, it out. That'd be uh, See, that's the thing. I mean, it, there's a way to roll it out and to yeah. try to do it and try to work it better and better. I you do know? think it's a clever idea. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's a very clever idea. And it's one of those things that it seems so simple that, it should have already been done, but obviously there are a lot of complications to it. But yeah. I just want to drive down the highway and feel like I'm I'm riding a light cycle, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, snippet. Erish, uh, Edgar Wright leaves Ant-Man. Um, this happened last week, or maybe it even happened while we were while I was down in Orlando. It's it's been a it's been a bit since this took place. Um, Marvel and Edgar Wright both cited creative differences on on the way they're going with Ant-Man. Is this, do you think that this is kind of the first 
crack in the in the armor of Marvel Studios? Uh, no, because I'm not drinking the Kool Aid on on Mister Wright here. Okay, all right. I uh, I'm not a fan of his uh, of his ice cream bar trilogy. Okay. Um. What? Well, I'm sorry. I don't. Well, the what, what do they call it? The Coronetto trilogy or whatever. There, it's because in all three in it's uh in Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and um, the last one that that just came out, End of the World or whatever it was called. Okay. There's a scene in each movie where a character eats some ice cream bar. I oh, think okay. it's called a Coronetto. All so right. they're kind of become known as the Coronetto trilogy. Okay. And I, I may have that name wrong. I'm not positive. I, I just watched those movies for the first time maybe a month ago. And, uh, I, you know, I, they're okay, but I'm not like, they don't, they're not like the be all end all things for me. Yeah. So I, from what I understand from what I've read online that, you know, the whole reason they were doing the Ant-Man movie was because he had come to them years ago and wanted to do this and right. had an idea and it was his involvement that was sort of the driving force behind it. Mm-hmm. And so from that point of view, it disturbs me a little bit that the two of them are now not going to, he's not going to be working on that because if this really was his, you know, idea, if he really was the driving force behind it, then it's a shame that he's not on board. Right. But, um, but, uh, you know, I just, I think, Look, Marvel's had nothing but success with everything that they put out so far. Um, and, you know, I, I think they know where they want to go with this. Yeah. So I'm trusting in their decision with it. And I, the cast is fantastic. Yeah, I really think that's what it is. I think it's more Marvel has, has started down this path. It's been uber successful for them. And Kevin Feige and crew know where they're headed. You know, this will Ant-Man will be after Avengers 2. They'll know where they're headed going into Avengers three, and and so if if Edgar Wright couldn't get his vision to line up with their vision, because he did kind of come to them, I think around the time, if just before Iron Man, yeah, and uh, you know, and so he had been pushing for this for a while, and he'd gotten a cult following with it. So I, you know, I don't know. I don't think that it's a it's a I don't think it's a big deal. I, you know, I, it's just one of those things that happen. I, you know, I hate it for him because it's obviously something he was invested in for a while. But I don't. There are a lot of people out there who are just kind of, you know, tolling the old death bell, saying it's just, oh, it's just a matter of time now. This is their big misstep. This is where they've messed up. And I'm like, I don't know. I think they messed up back in the '90s when they sold off other properties to other yeah. movies. Well, I, and I think that people are waiting for that moment yeah. to be like, this is where they messed up. Yeah. Well, I mean, I you know, it's just it's how long can you keep hitting home runs? They keep doing it. They, I think they do. You know, their their missteps have been so minor, um, you know, that you just kind of people do what I do when I don't like something. They just kind of stop talking about it. Like a lot of people didn't like Iron Man two. Um, it's a movie. yeah, Iron it, Man. I I w- didn't care much for Iron Man two or Iron Man three. Ah uh, man. So, I thought Iron Man three went m- more James Bond than it mm-hmm. should have. Yeah, I um, I really wanted to like Iron Man three, um, and I was very honest about the uh, the twist of of 
Ben Kingsley not being the actual oh, I, Mandarin. I love that. I thought that was brilliant. I was the fanboy that was like, I do not appreciate this. Because they made him so... The character that he was playing <laughs> was so it was great bad, I, and so I was I like, thought he oh. was even better when you found out that he was just this like just drunk drug addict actor yeah. who was getting paid a fortune to be this bad guy. It was confusing and it it was off putting to I, me. I, I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. My well, issue was that I go to I go to an Iron Man movie because I want to see Iron Man. Yes, yes. I don't want to see yes. Tony Stark running around, you know pretending he's james bond and stuff yeah. and and see i think that's why i like iron man too okay is because we got to see a lot of iron man um you know you could tell you can tell when you watch that movie that it was kind of rushed to production yeah you and know, my issue with iron man 2 is all the pre-avengers stuff that yes, they forced into yep, it Yep, exactly and and you could and that's what i'm saying is you could tell that was all there and that by the time that came around they knew man we're headed straight down this road so let's get it going yeah. Um, but uh, but I was okay with it because I did dig the action. That last fight scene with uh, all the drones and War Machine and, and Iron Man and then finally Whiplash, it's just, to me, it was one of the better final battle scenes in a superhero movie in a while. True. And, uh, and you know, like I say, I'm kind of a sucker. If, if the end gets worked out okay, I'm kind of a sucker for that. I'm <laughs> well, and, and one of the problems that they face with iron man in general is that iron man has a pretty poor rogues gallery yes yeah you know iron man's rogues gallery is other guys in suits mm -hmm. yeah for the most part yeah and uh and you know two of the better ones crimson dynamo and uh and i can't remember his other name were the two russian guys who mm -hmm. are you know were, were products of the cold war Was, thing well, and are you know just wouldn't really work well although now now with our butting heads with Russia, they could work again yeah, now. But. Again, is it Titanium Man? Is it? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's my cred coming out there. There's my geek cred. Um, but uh, you know, he doesn't. He just doesn't have the great Rogues Gallery that Batman right, does, or Spider-Man does, or yeah. Flash does. Hey, who who do you think? I mean, obviously, people immediately jump to Batman with Rogues Galleries. I think Spider-Man's got a really solid Rogues Gallery. So do I. So do I. Which is why, as much as I didn't like Amazing Spider-Man, I'm looking forward to a Sinister Six movie. Yes, indeed, indeed. But but Mysterio has to have the big fishbowl head. If he doesn't have the big fishbowl head, then it's over for him. Let me tell you something about Mysterio. As goofy as it is, I just think that that is one of the coolest villain character costumes of I, all time. I think Mysterio is one of the coolest villains of all time. Yes. I love the fact that this was a guy who's a special effects expert, He's got this fog that rolls in with him that dulls Spider-Man's spider senses and dissolves his webbing, yep. you know. And then he's got all this other special effects trickery that he uses. And in a in, in a digital age, my Lanta, there's nothing. Oh, I would well, love to see. Remember the uh, the movie FX? No. Do you, you ever see FX? No. Oh, you've got to see this movie. It's like a late '80s, early '90s movie. It's about a guy who's a practical effects expert basically like a stan winston kind of guy and he's hired by like the cia to help them with the job and it's this big thriller of a thing but he basically has to fall back on all of his fx experience and skills to like get himself out of the situation it, it's really cool oh man i need to um, check it out they it's made just... two this the sequel fx2 wasn't as good but okay. the first one's really good and it's with um 
actor's name Brian something or other. He was Tom Cruise's partner in Cocktail, and he's been in a bunch of other stuff. I wonder if it's I wonder if it's on Netflix. It might be. It, it, it's and it's really, just the letters it's worth, FX. It's worth checking out. It's it, just called FX. Okay. The letter F and the letter X. Okay. Well, I'll have to. I'll I'll see if I can't track it down and check it out again. Uh, on but yeah, I mean, if you took that and like added that, or just like gave Mysterio like that, you know, doing all those kind of practical yes. effects stuff like that, yep. it'd be so cool. Oh, I, I'm I've always dug. He's always been one of my favorite Spider-Man villains. Is Mysterio, yep. and he gets a lot of crap it seems from people because of the fishbowl look and everything. But I'm like, you know what you can do with that fishbowl head if you're a special yeah. effects wizard, man. Anyhow, yep. <laughs> moving on. Snippet. Um, this came up the other day in in like my Facebook feed or something. It's a link, and I'm going to put the link here in the chat. And I it's possible spoiler alert. I don't know, but it was to Hasbro's. I don't think there's any spoiler alerts okay, here. Guardian of the Galaxy uh, toy line, and there's Nova. Um, do you think no is Nova showing up? I, I, apparently. I don't think so. I think that they're probably just using Guardians of the Galaxy as a way to do a Nova figure. Well, here's the thing. Because they've got Iron Man in the, the batch of figures oh, Okay, also. yeah, and he's in the comics with him, right? Or he did a run with him in the, the comics, comics yeah, yeah, with him. Um, well, here's the thing. I'm watching that, pro- that the, the, the trailers, and John C. Riley and company have those three glowing... Well, the Nova Core. Yeah, that's the thing, the Nova Core. And I and it never don't I kept looking at it and and for some reason the DC side of my brain kept saying Brainiac. I'm like, shut up, it's not DC. Yeah. And then I saw this, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's the freaking Nova Core. Yeah. They call themselves the Guardians of the Galaxy. What a bunch of a holes. (laughs) I I have to tell you, and you know, as a diehard Star Wars fan and everything, this may be a little blasphemous, but there isn't a movie that I am more excited for to see than Guardians of the Galaxy right now. I'm not going to claim to be the world's greatest Guardians of the Galaxy fan. No, neither am um, I. I've just become a fan within like the last year. But I, in the 90s, the team that they had was, well, for years, not even before the 90s, there was a team, the Guardians of the Galaxy, and they were all from the future. And they were from different planets and stuff. And uh, in the 90s, they got their own series. And I was into it, man. I was buying every issue and that sort of thing. Uh, And then when they relaunched the Guardians of the Galaxy several years ago, I I immediately jumped on board because it was a title from, you know, my time collecting back in the early 90s. And uh, and I'm like, well, I don't recognize any of these people, but I recognize Rocket Raccoon because he was in the first comic book I ever really owned. He was in an (laughs) Incredible Hulk comic book that I had. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll check this out. And and so I was a little confused because it was spinning off of another Marvel event that had taken place, these characters had, but I kind of got myself caught up and got it figured out. And I've been in and out of comics for the past few years just for financial reasons. And um, and when they said they were making the Guardians of the Galaxy, I just kind of sat back and, and I just wanted to... St- I don't know who to tell this, but bravo. You know, incredible move on yeah. their part. It, it's just... It's it's a thing that a casual audience and I have most of my friends are just casual audience people. They look and say, "Is this you really think this is going to work?" And I just look back and I'm like, "How can it not? You're talking about it and you don't have a clue who these people are." <laughs> I think the two trailers are just brilliant. Yes, yeah. and I I mean I've watched those trailers over and over and over again. 
I can't get um, enough of them. I love seeing them in the theater. I love watching them on YouTube. Yeah. I just I can't get enough of them. And the soundtrack has me jazz because apparently the music they're using in these trailers is going to be in the soundtrack. A, yeah, yeah. Well, they play a oh. part. They play a part in the actual movie. Love it. You love know, it. it. It's the idea that he's carrying around this Walkman and it's from Earth and it's one of his last things. So that's his awesome mix that he's got with these things. I just <laughs> I, I think it. it it gives me that same feeling I had from the original Star Wars movie. Yeah. You know, that this is a whole fresh universe. I, I love the look of the aliens. I love the humor in it. The action looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it just everything about this. I, I'm so, so looking forward to this movie. And the comic book has been fantastic. The relaunch of the comic book has been great really really clever even bringing in angela from the spawn comics i thought was what are they doing with this and it worked really really well how did they bring in anyone from the spawn comics they i I forget the particulars of how marvel got the rights to her i think it had something to do with neil gaiman and stuff like that oh wow but basically anybody who's been reading the marvel comics for the last four or five years knows that there, there's been all these different stories that, you know, characters moving in and out of time and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, they, they relaunched the X-Books by bringing the original five X-Men to the present, um, which I thought was a brilliant idea and has worked out really well for the X-Men books. And basically they're brought to the present so that young Scott Summers Cyclops could stop older Scott Summers Cyclops from basically being an a-hole. Oh, no. <laughs> Um, <laughs> trying to and un- so there's been all these things that have happened that are that are mucking with the time space continuum mm-hmm. sort of yeah and i think it's a bigger arc issue that they may address in like a big event down the road right. but they use that as like you know a rip opened and it ripped angela from you know where that she universe. was kind okay. of in the spawniverse into the marvel universe wow. and of course, the first people she encounters are the Guardians of the Galaxy. And, you know, what do our heroes do anytime they first meet each other? They have to get into an epic That's brawl. right. There has to be a fight. Has to yeah, be a fight. and then they realize that, wait a minute, we have so much in common and we can be besties. That's right. <laughs> um, but then Classic the issues Marvel. after that just got really smart. Like, her and Gamora started, like, hanging out together mm-hmm. and, like, you know, would rescue Peter Quinn left and right and, yeah. or would be going shopping or would be like in bars, like checking guys out. Just like all this real fun tongue in cheek kind of stuff. And it just worked really, really well. I, uh, I, but I'm, now it looks like they're bringing Venom into the book and that has me worried. So uh, I, I don't Venom? know how much this this is going to last for me. But. Are they bringing Venom or they're bringing like the symbiote planet? They are bringing the, the current incarnation of venom and okay. which is flash thompson flash from thompson. the spider-man comics right. now has the venom symbiote and he's got no legs uh no Ven- he does his, legs. he he's, does he's his like venom. some army commando dude or something right like that. he does his venom but i think the only reason he has legs is because he's venom I think he. I think he had his. I think he had his legs blown off, oh, and then see. I I stopped reading the Spider-Man comics a long time yeah. ago, so I just know that it's Flash. Yeah, I was reading him in some of the Thunderbolt stuff. Um, yeah, with him and uh, Elektra and Punisher and yep. Red Hulk and Deadpool. Um, anyhow, yeah. Uh, I, listen, I 
the minute I get to where I have more disposable income again, I get right back into comics. I love, yeah. and I'm a Marvel kid from way back anyway. It's funny um, though that you sent this link about the Hasbro Guardians of the Galaxy because yeah. I got the the new Lego summer catalog in the mail last night. Oh yeah, and they have the Guardians of the Galaxy Lego sets <laughs> in there. So this was the first time I had seen those. I may have to pick a couple of these up because I'm a oh. big Lego junkie. Oh yeah, uh, my and friend the, Derek uh, is the, too. The they're, they have a model of their the spaceship that we see them flying around in in the trailers, mm -hmm. and that looks really cool. Oh, well, I dig. Uh, I'm digging. I'm digging everything I'm seeing from this movie. And yeah. And then when I saw this, it just kind of hit me. Those guys are Nova Corps, and um, and so I'm all about that. Um, really quickly. Uh, well, and then they had the news. About the casting of uh, of Brolin as Thanos, and yes. it turns out that he's going to be in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie yes. now too. Yeah, is so that I mean, just got me even more excited, I, dude. Josh is Josh Brolin an amazing actor. Period. At what, and then to throw him into the role as Thanos. Yeah, oh. yeah, I think it's fantastic. It's gonna. I'm. They they just keep making the movie better for me. They're they're really <laughs> nailing you know the casting. I think they're making smart decisions, and they just announced the director of the uh, the the Doctor Strange movie. Yes, this guy he's he's basically done a bunch of kind of he's horror done movies, a bunch of horror so movies. He did uh, that I'm really familiar with because yeah, it's not my genre. Yeah, but. I saw a retweet of like one of his twit pics or something. Sentences I never thought I would say. And so I looked him up, and I can't remember the movies, but they're horror genre movies that he has done. Mm -hmm. And um, and I'm really interested to see where they go with the Doctor Strange yeah, movie. Yeah, I, I, I like that idea. And I think it's a smart idea putting a horror director on there, because I think there should be some eerie, creepy stuff involved with Doctor Strange. Oh, when, when you're dealing with Doctor Strange, I mean, by the hoary host of Hogoth, of course there should be. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> Well, quick snippet. Um, I, speaking of snippets, I saw where you guys posted on your Facebook page, facebook.com slash Star Wars books, I believe. Um, you, you got up to a certain number of likes and you posted... 150,000 likes. You posted a, a, a snippet of uh, upcoming Luke Skywalker novel, uh, Heir to the Jedi. Is that correct? Is that the yes, right? it is. Kevin Hearn's uh, Heir to the Jedi novel. Now... When is that actually going to be released? That's my only question. January. About this. Oh my, Lanta. In January. You, we, re uh, you realize we, it's only May. Yeah, I know, I know. But we wanted to, um, you know, one hundred and fifty thousand is a big deal. So we wanted to, uh, we wanted to give some people something, you know, a little special. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, what better way to celebrate one hundred and fifty thousand likes than with Luke Skywalker? Well, I'm, I read it, and I'm on. I'm, I'm in. I'm there. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, the whole novel's first person from Luke's point of view. I'm interested to see who they get to do the audiobook. Where's Mark? Where's Mark uh, Hamill doing it, right now? Would that not be amazing if Mark Hamill... What's Mark Hamill doing right now? <laughs> I don't know. I think he's busy in England with something, no, but, well. you know, maybe he's only on set for a couple days. Maybe, 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 maybe after he gets his death scene wrapped. We, we, we need TMZ to get on that for oh, us. Oh, my gosh. I, you see, there's. Hmm, I don't want to say anything. I, I. It's like how much of this is like Lucasfilm allowing to happen, right? You know? And then there was a. I think Bad Robot tweeted something from J.J. Abrams today. A note on a hollow, a, little, a note on yeah, a hollow chessboard. Yeah, a note on a dartboard. Yeah. <laughs> Please About stop leaking. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, at least they have a good sense of humor about it. Yeah, well, I understand they were pretty angry, is is what I've heard. Oh, really? Is that Lucasfilm was pretty angry um, about about the leaks and stuff because, uh, you know, not that anything major was shown, but then there was a couple other... After the pig monster, there were a couple of other things that were shown that were kind of a big deal that really got my juices flowing. And, um, you know, a couple of spaceships, basically. And, yeah. uh, and so I'm, I don't know, I don't know how to handle it as a, you know, y- okay, but in all, look, they, they officially released a cast photo with Peter Mayhew and Harrison Ford in right. it. So is it really a big surprise that the Millennium Falcon might be in the movie? No, it's, I'm, I mean, I think that it, there's been a rumor for months that, um, there's been a rumor for months that they were building a full size, uh, Millennium Falcon on set, so I, you know, no, I'm not surprised, but to see it is just kind of amazing, and 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 to you know, I, I just want to be, I just want to be a good, upstanding citizen, Irish. No, and, I get that, you, and you know, to be quite honest, that photo that TMZ had of mm-hmm. reportedly the Falcon under construction, that could have just as easily been like a picture from like the making of Return of the Jedi. That's true. That's true. I don't think it was, but you're right. No. <laughs> Although I did have a little moment of pride when John Boyega tweeted his onset reading, and it was the three making of Star Wars books. Yes. Because I yes. edited all three of those books. So. Man, I, you know, I've not. They're on my Amazon wish list and have been for a while. I. But and everything I've my heard friend, about, I been think so I can great. take care of that for you. Oh well, now listen. We're not. I'm not going. I'm not saying that to say that. I'm saying that they look amazing. Uh, I've I've thumbed through a couple, you know, a few, and I'm just like, this is so, this is heaven. This is so much heaven. So they they're, I mean, John Rinsler just I, I like to refer to him as the Indiana Jones of Lucasfilm. Just the the things he unearthed in the archives, and you know George's private collection and Ralph McQuarrie's private collection, yep. and just the material that he was able to compile for those. And the books that he wrote for all three of them, just absolutely, it's such a joy to work with. And I'm so proud of all three of those books. And so to see somebody, you know, a member of the cast of the next movie now reading those, like, really was a great moment. Well, and I mean, and, and the thing is, it also lets you know that these guys are taking some things seriously. They're looking into the mindset, the heart set, the, the vision of what those things were and, yep. and 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 I'm telling you Rensler from everything I understand is so thorough in those books as far as the the stuff that I'm always surprised like I'll hear Jimmy Mack on Rebel Force Radio or someone else who's who's had you know more access to them than I have just bring out points and bits from them that I'm like I didn't know that and they're like well no no Star Wars fan did yeah. <laughs> you know I've never seen that no no one has in you know 30 years and it's just like uh Amazing, amazing pieces of, of just amazingness. So, but speaking of Star Wars, really quickly, uh, since the last time I recorded, two more Star Wars cast members have been announced. Uh, Lupita, I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name, Yango. Yango, uh, I think. From 12 Years a Slave, and Gwendolyn Christie, uh, Brienne from uh, Game, Game of, of Thrones. Thrones. Yeah, this is. Uh, have to clap for well, that. Well, hey, this is, this is some big, this is big deal casting announcements right here. Yeah. Well, you've got an Oscar winner, and you've got um, uh, someone who's just got a huge fan following and on a show that's got a huge fan following that. Well, is, and she was just cast in to be in the last Hunger Games movie. Yep. I mean, Gwendolyn is definitely someone whose star is 
very rapidly on the rise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, so, and and as far as getting into all the franchises she can, like she's chasing down Zoe Saldana's uh, cred on that because you know. Yep. So, um, what what do you make of this? Obviously, one of the things that were said when that original casting photo came out. Uh, the one criticism I kept hearing was not enough females, not enough females. Well, you just hit like two major home runs here, two grand slams. Yes, yeah. And uh, and and I'm really interested to see. I mean, gosh, I can't even imagine. I want to say Jedi. I want to say villain. I want to say you know. I, you can just go any way with these people. I, I, I almost don't even want to speculate yes, on who they're playing. Exactly. I just want to sit back and be pleasantly surprised yes. by yeah. whatever character they're going to put yeah. out there. I'm just I say two thumbs up on both of these ladies, and I'm excited. Uh, Although I, I will say, Concetta uh, tweeted um, the other day a, a, a photo of Gwendolyn in her. You know, it was a screenshot from the Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. and somebody had photoed out the the big broadsword she carried and, and replaced it with a lightsaber. <laughs> nice. uh, and I thought that was pretty cool. That well, got me really excited. And what's and what's that. also interesting? Both of these ladies, beautiful ladies, but have very exotic looks about them. Yes. And um, yeah, and are both obviously good actresses yes, too. Yes, definitely. And so I'm I'm just really anxious. To, I just, you know, it's the fan in me that just wants more and more. I mean, look at everything that's happening in the Star Wars universe right now. All these great announcements. We had another amazing announcement today. Yes, sir. Josh Trank directing directing uh, apparently the next, not the first one, but the second probably Star Wars standalone film. Yeah, and I loved Chronicle. Chronicle, that's the one. I want to make sure I've got the right movie in my head. That's the one where the guys are kind of filming themselves each developing other. Yeah, their they, superhero they, powers some meteor whatever lands yes. or they go down into some yes. little cave in the ground and they come out and they slowly start developing powers it's basically like a superhero movie you know one of them winds yes. up becoming a bad guy and the other two are you know the they other guy has down. to stop him and stuff mm-hmm. but it's all kind of you know found foot not found footage but in that same found footage kind of yes vein, well but. and it's done really well because at first it to me the 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 idea of we're going to have this camera being handheld, you know, almost the found footage thing, and it's really shaky. These guys are running around, and as their powers become more and more, they get more and more confident in their powers. The camera becomes more and more steady, you know. Yeah, and, and it the becomes, guy's able to like use telekinesis yes. to like move the camera around, yep. so somebody doesn't have to be holding it all the time. Yeah, it's just. It's a, it's it was a great concept, a really well executed movie. I dug it. I really yeah. did dig it. Well, and he's direct. I mean, he's been tap. He's directing the next Fantastic Four movie right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with that. But I, I think it's. I really like the choice of, of both this guy and of uh, you know the guy who directed the Godzilla movie. I'm sorry, his Gareth, name is Gareth, in my mind right now. Gareth Edwards, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that. Uh, two really clever choices and I, I like that they're kind of thinking outside the box a little bit on this so. it's it's interesting it's almost the marvel studios mentality yeah of snatching up some people to to do these things especially with these standalone films a lot of people are saying you know the first one is the the rumors are boba fett boba fett boba fett boba fett and han solo are yeah. the two things that i keep seeing online and i'd be interested to see you know if this really is in if, if the second one really ends up being a han solo centric film 
Um, I kind of hope that they don't go to Han I do too. Solo. I really do too. I, I think you'd have to recast him, and I think that that's yeah. going to be jarring for people like me. Um, I think eventually down the road, I'd be open to recasting Han Solo doing it. But right now, especially with Episode Seven coming mm-hmm. out and stuff, like yeah, you know, I, I agree. I just let Harrison be yes Han Solo. I agree. I love. And this. I will say this: if they do a Boba Fett movie, I really hope they take the. Uh, they take the Judge Dredd approach to it and don't take the bucket off of his head. Not yes. Uh, well, yeah. There's no sense in it. Yeah, there's I don't no want to see him it. take the helmet off. If he does take the helmet off, we don't see his face. I don't know that anyone wants to see the helmet come off. I think yeah. that part of what makes Boba Fett so cool, especially in Empire and Jedi, is that you never saw behind that mask. Well, and I like this idea too that Boba Fett isn't necessarily just one man inside it. He's sort of a maybe a dread pirate roberts kind of thing <laughs> yeah. you know that it's a character that's built up and if somebody dies wearing the suit somebody else takes it on good night wesley i'll probably kill you in the morning <laughs> <laughs> so anybody want a peanut anybody want a peanut <laughs> well i'm i'm digging it and and i'm like my thing is it's just the news that comes out and the way they're starting to finally they're, they're throwing enough out to us that we're not kind of, you know, going nuts anymore, just wishing we'd hear something from them. Yeah. Um, and and uh, I'm just uh, more and more and more excited about Star Wars as the days roll on. So, well, the truth of the matter is, is that Disney slash Marvel Studios have done really, really, have been really successful with the way they've announced things. Yes. And, and I, I would... I'm hoping that that's the same direction that we'll see Disney slash Lucasfilm go. Yeah, yeah. With announcing things, and I think that they're really finding their footing there. Well, um, they've got a. I, I I know personally on the Lucasfilm side, they've got a lot of fantastic people working. You know, Matt Martin on social media, Chris and the publicity and stuff. They're really brilliant people, and uh, and I think that they're really starting to find. I mean, and let's be honest, there was a ton of pressure on them. Mm-hmm. Who's directing the movie? Who's writing the movie? What's going to be about? When are we going to get casting announcement? It was like every small con that was coming up, you know, somebody was, oh, we're going to get an announcement at this one. Oh, we'll get it at the next one. You know, it just built and built and built. But now that, you know, they're starting to come at a regular pace, I feel like we're getting a good footing with we it. Are, so we are. It's and exciting. I think, I think they're getting a good footing, and I think they had to have the time. You know, yeah. They had to get some things under development and, and really mm-hmm. step back and figure out what the vision and what the what the uh, what the what the moves going forward were going to be with yeah. the franchise. So and we're getting a Star Wars movie every year. I know. I'm just get ready to go broke. That means more Hasbro figures, more statues, more everything. <laughs> it's. I mean, do you really like in December 2016? We are potentially going to have a Star Wars standalone movie and Avatar two, possibly within like a week or two of I each gotta other. I got to tell you, I'm not. A, I could care less about the Avatar thing. Oh, I I, I like the first Avatar. I, I thought it was Ernest goes to camp, only not funny. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's what I've been saying about it. But anyhow, uh, we're not here to talk about Avatar. We're not even here to talk about Star Wars. We're here to talk about uh, Gareth Edwards' Godzilla. Yes.
Now, full disclosure, Erish, uh, I'd put in the notes, just because I was going to do it as kind of a funny bit, I was going to do the cover of Heroes uh, by the Wallflowers from the, yeah. from the 1998 Godzilla. And I thought, why am I doing that? Blue Oyster Cult has such a grooving song yep. about freaking Godzilla. So, Or well, um, you could have done the theme song from the Godzilla cartoon, the Up From the Dust. Yes, I thought of... stories high. <laughs> thought about that <laughs> oh, i thought about that but uh but i'd often not i just i, I decided to go the old blue oyster cult even though i'm not a big oyster cult fan i just uh i thought it'd be cool to go that way um erish you're a little bit older than me i, I don't know by how much but um what was your 44. what's that 44 you're 40 okay so you, april 70 okay so you're seven years older than me um, what was your introduction to Godzilla? Um, probably like seven, eight, nine years old. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'd wake up Saturday mornings, mm-hmm. watch, you know, what back in the days when there used to be amazing Saturday morning cartoons on. And then, uh, the cartoons would end around 11 and one of the local stations had like their kind of little monster mm-hmm. movie on and it'd be like you know the ray harryhausen like jason yes. and the argonaut yes. stuff or godzilla movie or you know frankenstein or wolfman or something like that and i always got a kick out of them doing the godzilla movies yes yeah um, I, I, so I, it was really kind of those and it was you know those 60s era godzilla movies that have been dubbed and brought over here that you know it's probably late 70s that i was watching those yeah i um I always equate those classic Godzilla movies with Saturday afternoon TV. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I think most people from our age era, our generation, are about the same way that that Godzilla was first introduced to them on on the TV on a Saturday afternoon on some local cable access channel, and uh, and after the cartoons were over, here comes. Godzilla versus whoever. Now, yep. were you? Would you say you were a fan? Um, I mean, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're eight, nine years old. Who isn't going to love, uh, you know, a big giant monster crushing a city and stomping <laughs> exactly. on tanks and stuff? And I remember they had the big, like. 40 inch tall Godzilla figure that would like the tail would come off and like you could shoot the fists off of him and make him fight like the big 50 inch tall like robot guy and stuff so you know if if I didn't have the Godzilla toy then like the kid down the street from me had it or Mm -hmm. whatever so in that sense that it was part of my boyhood growing up yes I was a fan but I can't say that you know I didn't grow up like you know, older I wasn't watching those right, movies. Right, right. That's that's how I was. I, I was, you know, I'm like you as a kid. Any, any of the, honestly, any of that stuff from Japan with the big robots or the big monsters, you know, and the big fighting, just always kind of caught my eye and caught my attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never was really a big fan of it per se as I as I got older. Now, a few a couple of years back. I kind of decided I was going to try to go through all the Godzilla movies. Um, this was before I knew they were going to be making a Godzilla movie. I'm just like, right. this seems like it'd be fun to do on Saturday afternoon. And so I go online. I'm like, give me an order of the Godzilla movies. And come to find out there's some that are released, some aren't released, some are only in Japanese, and I don't speak Japanese, you know, all this stuff. And uh, and you begin to find uh, the history of this. Do you 
do you have a favorite? I mean, have you gone back and kind of watched some of these things now as an adult? Do you? My five-year-old nephew, you know, with about five, six weeks ago, really got into Godzilla. You know, he had seen the trailers for the new movie. That sparked his interest. So Mm -hmm. my brother-in-law went out and, you know, you can pick up DVDs now for like five bucks that have like two or three of the Godzilla movies on it. So, you know, hanging out with him, we watch, you know, I've watched a few, but those are the later ones from like the the 90s and the early 2000s, I think. Yeah. To me, it's it's really those those 60s, you know, the there, there's the one where, you know, Godzilla fights like Rodan and Mothra and that three headed dude, like yeah. all in one movie. Yes. Like, you know, that's Godzilla to me. Yep. That's uh, me, too. Uh, you know, the I not- think Ghidra was the three headed yeah, monster. Is that how you say it? Ghidra? I think so. Okay, yeah. yeah, that is the, that is the three headed monster. That is the three headed one. But um, I yeah, I, you know, I've watched some of those those from the 90s and like Godzilla 2000 and uh, and Final Wars. I watch Final Wars because of all the monsters that are in there. Right. Um and it's just it's kind of funny and and cool but uh but yeah, I'm like you. Those from the from the late 50s right through the 60s with that with that classic look of the 60s era, the you know, the the animated special effects, you know, when when lightning bolts are coming out or whatever. God, when he stomps on the tank, it's so clear <laughs> that it's like a plastic model tank yes. that he just stomped yes. on. Uh, Godzilla versus King Kong um, yep. is is one of the greatest mashup crossovers ever, in my opinion. You know, they they had to grow King Kong about three or four stories taller than he was in the movie, but in in the original movie, but it still it was just so cool to me. Um, I'm like these two fault. That's amazing. And yeah. so you know, I had to watch it. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it's you know, I, I trying to go back through and watch them all. I had a couple of people who were enablers. Uh, Christopher Titchenell, who listens to the show, and uh, you know, he's like, oh, if you're going to do Godzilla, and this is what you need to do. You need to look in this site. You need to go over here. You need to do this. And let me send you a couple. And I'm like, okay. Um, I didn't get through them all. I didn't get through. I don't think I got through the first five or six, not because they weren't good, but because it just became kind of frustrating to get my hands on them. But, um, but I got enough, I got an idea, you know, I got enough of an idea of what, what I was missing and, and, and what was really good about it. And what's so funny to me about that franchise is the 1954 Gojira, or as it was named in the, in the States in 56, Godzilla was meant to be and and i think it was taken there that first that those that first movie is very serious and you know and, and meant to be a little scary on the heels of uh you know the first ever nuclear bomb being dropped on someone in, in the atomic age and all coming to light and yeah and what does that mean for us and and here's one potential thing blizzards could grow really big again and um and how do you kill it you know you something worse than what it is with that oxygen destroyer and all that stuff in that first movie. And it was just like, it was, and and then to see what it became, it's so funny because in the eighties, we kind of had something similar with Freddie and Jason, you know, Fred yeah. nightmare on Elm street, nightmare on Elm street two, you know, uh, or nightmare on Elm street with Freddie is kind of freaking everything. But then as it goes along, it becomes this, this kind of comedic adventure slash horror thing that, you know, Freddie becomes this icon that, you know, people think is cool. Same thing with Jason. Well, and they kind of become the heroes of the movies yeah, too. In a way, they do in some ways. You know, and and so, um, and that's what happened with Godzilla. He becomes this hero. Yep. You know what? What did you like or you know not like about those older movies? 
you know, I don't know that there was anything that I didn't like about that. Yeah. You know, look, look, let's be honest. Like, if if I was eight years old and sitting there watching one of those movies, if the, if it was people talking on the screen and I was bored with it, then I was probably playing with my, you know, X-Wing and my Star Wars action figures waiting for Godzilla to come back on and crush something. Yes, yes. Um, you know, definitely, look... The Godzilla roar, scream, whatever you want to call it, is just one of the coolest, most iconic, like monster yes. movie sounds ever. Mm-hmm. And just I to mean, jump ahead, you I, hear that, and I can't do it. I was hoping you'd have like a sound I, file I, I that we could just play uh, over and over I, and over. Yeah, again. I just thought about that. I should have. Um, um, but you you hear that, and there, there's no doubt that you just heard Godzilla. Yes, and and I, that's one thing. Just jumping ahead, that's one thing that I'm glad they got so right mm-hmm. in in this new movie is that was there. You know, I'm the same. When you way. first hear it in the new movie, and I, I talked earlier in the episode about how when I went into Godzilla, I was going to go in like I was seven years old watching this. I just, you know, Muppet arms flailing. I just went nuts. <laughs> Yay! I was so happy and. My ten-year-old nephew just sitting next to me, just looking at me like, "Uncle, you're just embarrassing me." Yeah, um, it's it, you know, it yes, it, it that's that, you're right. It is iconic, and I just thought about it. As you were saying, I'm like, I should have found a sound drop. You know, I should have I should have tried to find a sound drop so we could do this do this upright. Um, I'm like you though. I mean, when I think back, and even as an adult watching those old movies, there are some things that I'm just like, well, you know, this is a little weird. Yeah, but it's like it works in in the in the scope of what it is yeah oh and, there's definitely some weird stuff going on those twins yes, with the those little, yes. And, i don't understand that to this day yeah there's a lot there's a lot of weirdness but that's not why i watch those movies i watch those movies to see big giant monsters wrecking exactly, everything exactly exactly do you have a favorite monster that godzilla's fault I think I think probably Ghidra, just yes. because it was you know the same size as him, but you know three headed monster. Yes, I agree. I'm the same. And I was, the effects were really cool on him. The suit was awesome. Yeah, that the way those heads would just kind of move around, they were never still. I don't I don't know what kind of wire work was going on with yeah, those things or whatever. Just but, masterful. Yeah, it really was, and um, and he had kind of a weird his that weird noise when he would shoot his little electric beams out, but. I, yeah, I always thought he was followed very closely by Mecha Godzilla. To me, um, the concept of Mecha Godzilla was just perfection. The idea that we are going to create, or this the space people are going to create, a mechanical Godzilla to fight the real Godzilla. Yeah, and he's more powerful. Yeah, it just it was a great. It's that thing we were talking about with Rocky. You got to have a good villain, and I think Mecha yep. Godzilla was a great one. But I'm there's, I'm I'm there's like nobody you. more powerful. Godzilla is king of all monsters. That's right. <laughs> That's right, but I'm like you. I love Ghidra. I'm the same way. That was when I was when I put that down in the notes. Yeah. I'm like, this is my favorite Ghidra, and I'm just going to go with it. And I figured I would kind of be ridiculed for it. I figured everyone's a Mothra fan. I don't know. I mean, Mothra was cool, but like, come on, fighting Godzilla like uh, Ghidra, yeah, yes. Um, and the other thing that I loved, you gotta love the way the spikes on Godzilla's back light up before he fires off that atomic Yes, breath. yes. There we go. There it is. There it is. <laughs> it's like a long was that, video. Of was that courtesy of Mighty Mass? I saw him post the link. Yeah, on the... Mighty Mass posted the link in the chat there. So Awesome. Thank you, Mass. Thank you, Mighty Mass. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah, I, I've, 
I like Mothra okay, but I, I don't know. It always seems like um, like Mothra is kind of the go-to thing for a lot of people. But I'm I'm a Ghidra guy. I really like that three-headed golden dragon thing, man. Yep. So, um, my nephew spotted the uh, the ten-year-old. He spotted the Mothra Easter egg in the yes, new movie. Yes. Well, I've got a friend that she was like, she texted me before I'd seen it. She's like, I spotted the Easter egg and no one else did. And uh, there are a lot of cool Easter eggs in those redacted credits in the opening scene. Like, before they white them out, it gets really, really... There's some stuff. There's, like, some Walter White nods and some other stuff going on. Um, oh, really? I'd... Yeah. It's it's you, it's blink or you miss it, but it, but it's there in the... Rec- but, yeah, the Mothra thing with the tank was there really wasn't cool. a scene after the credits, so we bolted like as soon as they started yeah. it up. Well, no, I'm in the opening credits. Oh, in the opening, yeah, credits. when they're coming oh, on and they're kind of redacting that. everything. Yeah, before they before they black it out, like the on the costume design before they black it out. There's something about a rubber, you know, is it this? Is it that? Is it a rubber suit kind of situation? So, um, but yeah, I the I, let's just jump into this this new movie. What okay. um, you know. There's been a lot. There's been credit. It's people are split on it, and you know. And I'm I'm the type of guy I can't I, I can't help myself. I end up reading reviews of movies before I see them. Sometimes if uh, I don't I, if I don't I get to them, after now. yeah if I don't get to them on opening day I end up just because I just want something you know mm-hmm. and and to see how people have been split you know I try to go to spoiler free ones as much as I can and to see and if, and if I start seeing negative reviews about a movie I want to like, then I go in that much more determined to like this movie, just to stick it in somebody's face. Um, and, uh, and, and you know, one of the big criticisms was too, too many people moments in this movie. Um, what, what did you think of the human story? Um, I, I just kind of chose to ignore it. Okay. <laughs> I look, I, and I completely understand that I completely understand that people not liking the movie because the human side of it was mm-hmm. done really poorly. I went to this movie to see Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the Godzilla moments just, I was thrilled with. See, the moment. And, and, and I know that people were frustrated because they kept teasing the mm-hmm. monster moments. You know, and, and honestly, yes. Gareth Edwards, he did, he, I don't know if people saw hit the little indie movie he did, Monsters. Mm-hmm. He did the same thing in that, but, you know, that he shot on, like, no budget, and it made sense to do it that way. Yeah. You know, he saved his money for, like, the big money shot at the end of the movie mm-hmm. kind of thing. But, you know, as the airport sequence in the Godzilla movie is a perfect example. You know, that... You get that great shot, you know, from the feet up with Godzilla and you yes. hear the roar for the first yes. time. And, like, I was on my feet cheering like I was at a prize fight. Yeah. <laughs> and then they cut away yes. to somebody watching it on TV. And I was just like, oh, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. But then I got what they were trying to do. I got right. that it was about we're not going to do this right now. We're going to save it for the end. And when you get that big epic battle at the end. It was that much more epic because you didn't see it before. I was in the theater. I was watching a matinee, and it was just me and this family of four. And that moment when all the people are going into the shelter, 
mm-hmm. you know, and they're closing themselves into the shelter, and you can see Godzilla and yeah, the, and the see Motu a little fighting. bit of him as the doors close. And it's just as they're getting ready to fight, they shut the door. I heard this kid go, "Oh man!" I was. Yeah. <laughs> but see, here's the thing: the moment that Ford Brody told his kid, when the kid says, "Will you will I, will you come back?" He's like, "Yeah, I'll be back." You know tomorrow or the kid says will you be here in the morning he's like yeah i'll be here and then get so i'm like oh man please get home to your kid please get home and i was super invested in this guy making it home and there were moments where i thought he was going to die and it was making me mad because i'm like no you can't you can't bring this guy home just to rip him apart from his family and never make it home again he just lost his dad for crying out loud right you know and so i was super invested in the human side of this story and uh, and even though at the same time a little bit disappointed by the lack of the monster stuff, I I fell into that trap a little bit. Though I understood what Gareth Edwards and company were doing, um, I just found myself though liking the characters and and liking this guy. I liked his, you know, he seemed to be kind of MacGyverish in that he had an answer for everything or he was able to kind of get out of a situation. But he's just a good dude. We're talking about the soldier. We're talking about quick yeah, ass, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I call him that because he played kick ass and now okay. he's going to be quick silver. Okay. So. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> that's true. Uh, that's true. So I call him quick ass. But I like, I mean, I really dug him and I dug what, uh, I dug his story and I dug him trying to get home, you know, in the see, midst of this crazy just, thing. It was so cliche, been there, done that for me. And, and it was just, and it, it was just, he really had no business being in a lot of those places. Like, did they really need him? What, what was he offering to the team? It, it, it sort of got convenient at the end that he right. was the only explosives expert around. Yes, that's, that's the thing. I mean, it was, there was a lot of, there was a lot of convenience in the story, but it's just that to me, it's just that classic, you know, you just going to have to say set the it train aside. Sequence was fantastic. Yes, even though it was a little stand by me, like when when, when they were crossing the bridge, I was like, "Have you guys I not stand seen by me? Stand by me?" I did think stand by me. Um, you know, like the train is going to come. Yes, you, guys, you know better than this. You know better than to be walking down this track. And, and and you know you know you've got no out here except to jump. Yeah. I also love the uh the bridge scene, the the Golden Gate Bridge sequence. Yeah. Um as Godzilla's coming up and the bus driver's like, Screw this and he just starts plowing through everything. I'm like, I dug it. I I mean I'm a sucker for moments like that though. I'm a sucker for let's get the family back together type stuff. That's that's just me. When I'm I watching think, stuff I think like this, Bill Maher on his HBO talk show during his his uh, new rules segment poked fun at that because you know he did a whole little thing about can we just leave the Golden Gate Bridge alone for oh, once? Yes. And he went through like <laughs> all of the movies. Oh man, that, yeah, you know so that the Golden Gate Bridge has been messed with the X Men movies, Planet yes. of the Apes, yep. Godzilla. Yep. You know, and, and it was like a, a huge list of movies they went through. It was pretty funny. Well, you know, but if they come down to Hazelhurst, Georgia and mess with the courthouse, it's not iconic enough for people yeah, to I recognize. Know, know. It's um, like, how many times are we going to destroy New York City to, right, so, or right. the White House? You know, and that's something else about, of course, they, they end up, let's see, they're in, gosh, where do they end up in this movie? They're in Hawaii at one point. Um they're in uh, Vegas. They, Vegas, yes, yeah, Viva Las Vegas, and then to say, I mean, I love when they use the cheesy landmarks in Vegas to make you think that oh, this is going to be New York City. 
You know, like yeah. they, they show the, the <laughs> right. Vegas Statue of Liberty, like a right. quick shot in the trailer, like Godzilla is going to be attacking New York City. Yes. And then it just winds up being a casino in Vegas. I like, I like the fact that they're in the casino. These people are in this casino and on TV, you see the live footage of this monster tearing up Las Vegas, and everyone's yeah, just like, Mudo, like yeah, the Mudo, like through there and ripping it all yes, apart. Yes, I thought that was pretty funny. Like no one's paying any attention to it whatsoever until well, until the roof gets ripped off. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, that that kind of stuff was really really cool to me, and I dug the human story that was going on in the midst of it. I'm just a sucker for that kind of thing. A lot of people were disappointed by the lack of Brian Cranston, though. I, it didn't bother me. I liked him in the beginning of the movie. I liked his character arc, and I felt that I, I felt that it was it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, here's the only because thing. Otherwise, he just would have been one more character that you're dragging around through the movie. Right, right. Well, here's the only thing I feel like that we kind of got swerved on. Um, I don't know how you felt about Pacific Rim. Uh, but I absolutely loved it because what I, what was advertised is what I got um, last summer. You know, no, there was no surprises. You know, there wasn't some. It didn't. End up, it was. It was robots fighting monsters for the most part without any. They weren't trying too hard to make it some deep, impactful thing. It was just like, yeah, here's some robots fighting monsters. And what I saw in the commercials, what I got. The only thing I would call foul on this is you really played up the Brian Cranston thing a little much. In your because and I understand why I understand you're playing off the success of Breaking Bad and that sort of thing, but I well, but in your cast, he's the heavy hitter in the cast. Oh, I agree, but he's only there for what the first quarter of the movie. Yeah, but I mean, uh, it's been done in other movies too, where they play up somebody who winds up just having a cup of coffee and then they're out of the movie. And so I'm just saying, I never like that. I, yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, I feel like you're not selling the right bill of goods because really, all you needed to sell me in, with this movie is Godzilla. Exactly. You know. Exactly. And uh, and so I, I I wasn't necessarily disappointed by the lack of Cranston because I kind of knew it was there going in, but I thought when he was on screen, he was Brian Cranston, which is just, he's amazing at what he does. Yep. And so, um, and so to go from this, you know, workaholic, you can tell he's a workaholic obsessed with whatever the problem is down the plant to now I'm obsessed with figuring out what took my wife, you know, a little bit of crazy added to it to, you know, and then dying in the midst of the, you know, that taking place again. Um, and then setting this whole thing in motion with his son, you know, just trying to get home uh, you know, it again. I bought into it. I believed in it, and I and I dug it. And so, yeah. um, but now the big thing is: was there enough Godzilla for you? I think there was because the payoff at the end really worked for me. Mm-hmm. You know, once they get to San Francisco, once the huge battle starts, the male and the female Muda Mudo against Godzilla, it really, really worked for me. The one issue I have with Godzilla is they kept referring to him as an apex predator. Yes. But if you take away that atomic breath of his, he was really physically not designed to fight those kind of creatures. You know, he's got a small mouth, not much of a neck, tiny arms. You know, he's basically, you know, he was very pear-shaped. Uh, you know that you know he had a huge bottom on him yeah. and a big tail. Yeah, a little bottom but, heavy. You know, in terms of having 
a physical build that would allow him to be this big apex predator really wasn't there. Yeah, except for the fact, like you said, the the, the atomic breath. He had the atomic breath, and and I well, I, I was about to say, but I was about to say in his his on land and in water abilities, but the but other, he the didn't other thing use the fly. water abilities Not in much. the fight. No, he didn't. Um, I. Uh. But but that was but that said that was part of what made that battle so epic was that you saw Godzilla take the damage from the fight, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, the building falls on him, and you think he's down for the count, and then he comes back, and he just, like, I, when he opens that Mudo, when opens that Mudo's head and just breathes the fire yes. right down into the, him, the atomic breath. like, yeah! <laughs> the atomic breath, mouth to mouth. <laughs> that was like Rocky knocking Apollo it out. It really was. And, it was and, a great and, moment. And it was a great Rocky moment. Too. And then just kind of flips his head over to the side, you know, just because yep. his head fell off. The thing's head fell off, and Godzilla's like, yeah. Yeah, um, but what, I mean, the, the Godzilla roar, when the tail lit up, and then you see the atomic breath for the first time. Yes. And then yes. when he shot that breath down into the Mudo's throat. Mm -hmm. All three of those moments, I was out of my seat, just going nuts in the I was, I was so glad his spines lit up on the back, or, or whatever you call yeah. those things on the back. I was so, I, I was into it, completely, completely into it. Um, you know, I, I would have liked to seen more of that. I'm I'm the guy that's like, give me more, give me more, give me more. Yeah. But I also would have liked to seen it in the daylight. You know, that's the only other, those are the, I mean, I, you know, I'm well, not. You know, you brought up Pacific Rim earlier. Mm -hmm. And I think I was, the first time I saw Pacific Rim, like the whole Delray crew here, we all went opening day. We, we went like that Friday morning and then we came to work. I was the dissenting voice amongst the group. I did not like Pacific Rim. Right. And one of my big issues with it was that everything took place in the dark. Mm -hmm. you, know, you could barely see any of the, the kaiju. Yeah. Um, you really couldn't make out any details on them. Whereas with Godzilla, I didn't have that problem. I felt that the lighting was sufficient yes. during the night battle scene. But we also had scenes of the two Mudo during the day. So we got to see them in the light. We mm -hmm. had a better idea of what these creatures look like. Right. Um, so that didn't bother me that much. But certainly in Pacific Rim, it did. Yeah. Everything was just so dark all the time. Well, that, and that's now, the least of my issues with that movie. Sure. I, well, I do agree with you that the, the lighting was good for what it was. And I, I'll tell you what else I thought was just really cool, and it just captured my imagination, was Godzilla swimming. Through, mm -hmm. through the ocean and his you know and his spine sticking up off the out of the water and yeah and i like the the wakes that he would make and the yes. ships kind of like drift off to the side yep. and everything very yeah. cool i really it just that captured my imagination for some reason and and as i'm watching i'm like you know what this is cool enough you know this is really cool and so you know if there's if if we only get full on godzilla in the last few minutes and but then if you go back and watch the old 1954 film it was kind of the same thing yeah, you know, the the reveal was kind of the same way. There's that weird moment where he's sticking his head up over a mountain. It looks kind of like Cookie Monster, but other than that, um, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's it's the, it's the same idea that when he finally starts, you know, raiding the city, uh, you it doesn't last that long. Now, you know, but, I, I will say this about Gareth Edwards going into his Star Wars standalone movie. Let's say he's doing a Boba Fett movie, mm -hmm. just as an example. If I gotta wait until the last twenty minutes of the movie to see Boba Fett, I'm not gonna be happy. Agreed. Agreed. You know, he's pulled the shtick twice, and I think that's that right. it worked. 
it worked for monsters and i think it was a really smart idea to do for godzilla yes but he can't go to this buck this well again for me indeed indeed you know it, it, he's got to find he's got to find some, some and i think that honestly i think that legendary hired him to do godzilla in part because of how of what he did with monsters right right and i think they that they liked that idea mm-hmm. um but yeah the the well is dry on this my friend well uh you know i yeah it, don't go back to this one because it's not gonna it's not gonna do good for you with boba fett but i like um <clears throat> kevin in the chat says imagine edwards treating boba fett like jaws <laughs> No, that's what we're saying. Don't imagine that. We don't want that. But but that's kind of what we got here. You know, Godzilla was basically Jaws in this. Yes. And, and yeah. I do think in a lot of ways, the less you see, sometimes we see too much of things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. And Jaws worked so well because we never really did see the shark. But, you know, we got to see a lot with Godzilla that there were a lot of unique shots. One, the swimming through the water the way he mm -hmm. did was, seemed unique. There was a there was a shot that just started as you talked about from the foot and just went up. I think it was at the airport. That was the first time that we really fully yes. see him and we get the Godzilla roar. And it was just a great moment. I'm like, you can put any music there, any inspirational music. It's like, you know, here we go. It's on. Eye of the Tiger. Yes, you can put on Eye of the Tiger. Done. <laughs> Dun, dun, dun. When that comes out on video, I'm going to edit dun, it. Dun. Yes. And then the Godzilla roar. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Make it happen, somebody. <laughs> well, they've said there's going to be... Well, uh, real quick, it, what, what were some... We've talked about some of your favorite moments, I guess, but what would you say, other than the, the atomic, you know, mouth-to-mouth, -mouth, what were some of your favorite moments in this film? Uh, you know, I liked, I liked the beginning. I liked... I'd, I'd like like through I like the whole Brian Cranston kind of arc. I mm -hmm. like how that all built up. I yeah. did enjoy that aspect of the film because you know we didn't know what we were getting. What was that giant skeletal thing yep. in the cave? you know I didn't we didn't know that it was a mudo. Was that Godzilla? Was it not Godzilla? What destroyed the the nuclear power plant that Cranston's wife died in? I liked how that all built up um, yes. So I I liked it unraveling. It just it it got to a point though that it was a little too much. Oh, Godzilla will come and save this. Godzilla right. represents nature, and he will put everything back into balance. Let him fight and well, stuff. It's like all right, look, okay, if that's the case, then just build the ring and let him fight. Man. Yes, build a ring. I, my <laughs> I, I had yeah I had two things, and that was one of them was the was the whole nature thing. But the other thing. The only thing that really stuck out with me that really, to me, caused me to suspend or have a hard time suspending any disbelief was they're going to the nuclear waste drop-off in the mountain. And they're they're looking in all these, you know, doors, you know, to see what's there. And then they finally open one. There's a bright light in there, and they open up, and you find out, you know, basically the whole mountain's been ripped off by this other Motu that's getting away, or Muto um, right. that's getting away. And I'm like... Did you not notice that the whole side of the mountain was ripped off as you were coming in? Yeah. You know, did, is that yeah. something that, that escaped you guys' attention? <laughs> well, and the other thing, this transporting a couple missiles on a train, like the whole Superman 1 yes, story thing. Yes, like, yes, Was there not a nuclear submarine, like, somewhere in the Pacific that right. you could have just parked off of the coast of San Francisco? Exactly, exactly. You know, open all the doors on the launch tubes <laughs> and, like, you know, let them go let at that? Go. Yes, you know, exactly. Just Red October, the thing. Uh, Have just... them like abandon ship and leave it floating there. <laughs> yeah. 
Exactly. exactly. I did like, you know, they talked about these guys, can, these things consuming uh, radiation. And, and when you see them get a hold of one of those missiles, he's like, I'm just going to swallow the whole thing. Yeah, uh, you know that was kind of his his way of consuming the radiation, not just absorbing it the way it was done. Yeah, and the is there plant. no nuclear fallout in those areas where oh. they do eat the missiles? I mean, do, do they literally absorb all of it? Maybe uh, you know a little of their slobber lands on the floor and contaminates everything. I don't, see, apparently they do because like the whole area. I think that was the point of showing that there was no contamination in in the contaminated zone in japan this is true and okay I, I think that's the whole point of it is they do absorb it all but i also my i guess my other thing is is, is you had kind of the dark knight rises dilemma at the end that 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 bomb didn't have long enough to get away from land for there not to be some serious damage yeah by that nuke going off and and again that's a minor thing i know you got to let things like that go when you're talking i mean again we're talking about a movie where big monsters fought each other all over the we're world. We're talking about a movie where they destroyed San Francisco. That's correct. So, you know. <laughs> I mean, there was nothing left to be damaged <clears throat> right. from the bombs. And you so. know what's funny is I haven't heard anyone throwing out the old Man of Steel complaints about all the destruction. You know. And well, because I think that they made a conscious effort in this to show people being evacuated, to mm -hmm. show people being moved down into shelters. Whereas Man of Steel, you saw people running on the street and buildings falling on top of them. Yeah, you know, yeah. it was just wanton, blatant destruction everywhere, and I, I think that they had a more conscious eye towards that in this one. That you know, we're trying to save people. You know, you saw everybody in the stadium afterwards. And by the way, that was one of my other favorite moments, where you just saw the jumbotron in the stadium of like the news footage. Yes, and the the ticker on the bottom said Godzilla, King, King of, of All Monsters. King of All Monsters, yes. Yeah, yep. I cheered at that, yeah, too. Yeah, that was cool. Because the other thing, too, was like when you thought he was dead, I was sad. Yeah. I was like, oh, come on. Yeah, I was surprised. Yeah, and I was then like, when he like lived, I was like, yes! Yeah. <laughs> and everyone kind of cheered. They were glad to yeah. see him get up and get going. Yeah, I was. it was a neat moment. It was. It really yeah. was. And, and, you know, and I, and I just wonder, uh, there is a sequel on the way, and, and I wonder how they're going to play this thing because it, it is interesting that you know we talked about earlier that 1954 movie godzilla was the villain and he ends up kind of becoming the hero and he has this spiritual connection kind of thing with with the earth and with certain people and that sort of thing um what well first off i would advise that all of humanity move away from the coast yeah get away from the well you know and, what I and should... i felt the same way about pacific rim if you know that there's giant creatures coming out of the ocean don't waste your energy building a wall. Just move to the middle of the continent. Just get away. Let them have the beaches. You know, that reminds me. Um, earlier on, I played. I should have played this commercial instead of the Christian Bell um, audio Bible that we played. <laughs> I don't know why, knowing that we were talking about this, I don't know why I didn't play this commercial. Let me find it real quick. Um, it is a, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a kaiju PSA. So let me play this for you uh, real, real quick right. here. Um I like Mighty Mass here saying that Gareth Edwards should do Star Wars The Zillow Beast. Yes, do The Zillow Beast. <laughs> let, me, let me play this Kaiju PSA for you here. As we near the 22nd century, mutated creatures are more prevalent than ever before. First, there was King Kong. Japan had Godzilla. Africa had the Elephant. As Kaiju continue to plague our fragile Earth, we must all remain ever vigilant and be prepared. Remember these safety tips in the event of a kaiju attack. Evacuate major cities. 
Kaiju have never attacked small rural towns. Get to the country or a farm as fast as possible. Stay away from the ocean. Landlocked areas rarely have anything to fear, as the creatures tend to emerge from the seas. Use women as a distraction. Kaiju <laughs> seem to be drawn to screaming blondes or tiny twin ladies. Gents, you'll be better protected if you've got a gal handy. If you memorize these simple life-saving steps, you too can live beyond the next Kaiju cataclysm. So that's the yeah. uh, that's move the... <laughs> away from the oceans. <laughs> yeah, that's the kaiju PSA. I don't know why I didn't play that one earlier. <laughs> that was great. Um. Anyhow, we we know there's a sequel on the way. They they've announced it. Uh. What do you what do you hope? What would you want to see in a sequel to this movie? Just more big giant monsters. Yes. <laughs> Done. More monsters. Uh, come on, because we who cares? Can anybody really tell us what the story of any Godzilla movie was? No, you go to I you can't. watch the Godzilla movies to see Godzilla beat the the, the snot out of there other big giant monsters. Thank you for keeping it family. <laughs> <laughs> what about what do you want to see those classic monsters show up, or do you want them to keep making new ones? I mean, it would be cool. If, uh, from what I understand, Legendary doesn't have the rights to any of the other monsters. Okay. Hmm. And I think that's why they went with this Mudo thing. I think yeah. they just had the rights to Godzilla. Hmm. I think I read that in one of the magazines or reviews I read or something like that. But, yeah, I mean, would it be fun to see Mothra or Ghidra or Mechagodzilla or something like that? Oh. I mean, I think Mechagodzilla is a good idea. Um, I, yeah, I don't know why someone would, what evil person would want to make a Mechagodzilla, though? Yeah, well, I mean, just go watch Pacific Rim and see that it doesn't work that well for you, so. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> uh, so. It's like, you watch Stand By Me so you know what to do when you're walking across yes. the train trellis. Yes. And watch Pacific Rim so you learn not to spend billions of dollars building a giant robot mm. to fight a giant monster. Well, you know, uh, we, you know they are doing a Power Rangers movie, so. Getting, <laughs> well, there we go. I'd like to see Godzilla beat the snot out of the Power Rangers. Oh, now come on, be a five or seven year old and, and enjoy. <laughs> I'm sorry that I was not a five or, ever a five or seven year old for Power Rangers. Oh, neither was I, but there was something that that first those earlier seasons. There was some reason I got sucked in. I don't know what it was, but I was like, I'm into this, and so. Um, not so much anymore, but I was for a minute. I'm like, this. Rem I guess it was because it reminded me of Voltron, and I'm like, all right, I'll take I'll take some Voltron in real life. But yeah. it I do think we need a Godzilla origin story. We need to see hmm. him as like a young Godzilla, tormented by like the neighborhood bullies. <laughs> when you I know. grow up, I'm gonna maybe maybe his dad, his parents die tragically in a volcano or something oh, like that. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, he grows up determined to protect nature. To uh, to look out for mankind because they know not what they do. Yeah. Well, you know, they, they mentioned that they first tried to blow up Godzilla in 1954 in the movie. Yeah, that that was the, the reason for all the, the nuclear yeah. tests and stuff. Yeah, so I wonder if... Um, I, see, that's the thing. I'd love for them to be able to tie in more and more stuff. You know, without... I don't know that I want them to ever get into the alien thing at all, you know. I, but you got to wonder where these monsters come from. You know, are they all going to be prehistoric leftovers, or, or is it going to be a Mega Godzilla kind of thing? It's and how many giant caves are there underneath the Earth for these big things to be hiding in? That's what. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. Is how how much how much to that well can you go? 
Yeah, is there like some savage land that Godzilla oh. goes away to, to to rest and recuperate after these Mudo battles? They, they should totally bring in the savage land. Yes. They should. <laughs> That's what Marvel should do. That's Marvel true. should do like a, 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 Kazar, a Kazar Savage, savage land, land. Oh, my Lanta. Now, now, see, now you're just being silly. Now you're just... <laughs> silly or is it mad genius? It could be... Listen, they're doing Guardians of the Galaxy, so it very, well could be, it very well could be mad genius. Well, before we wrap up, any, any final thoughts about this and, and its ensuing sequel? I just... I, I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah. Um, I just, I hope the sequel is as much fun as this one was, although it could be like 20 minutes shorter. Yeah. Well, or just 20 more minutes of Godzilla. Yes, this is true. But in general, I think all these summer movies, you don't need to be two and a half hours. True. I, I completely agree. Completely agree with that. You know, if you're, if you're the first Lord of the Rings movie, yes, your two and a half hours was well worth it. Mm Mm-hmm. But, you know, Spider-Man 2, you did not need to be two and a half hours. No, I agree with that as well. That's, I agree. I would say the same thing about X-Men. Um, you know, there, there, there just seems to be this trend of we got to make it longer. And, and I think maybe part of it is that ticket prices are so high, the studios feel they need to to make the movies longer to justify people spending this money, but we're just we're not getting more for our dollar. Yeah, I'd be shocked if studios were thinking that kind yeah, of Yeah, you know? I'm trying to be optimistic <laughs> I hear about you. it. I, well, I appreciate your optimism. <laughs> well, I tell you, in, in the end, I really thought that, um, that you know, it was, I, look, I can't come away from this movie and, and think that it wasn't good and it wasn't fun. If I had a criticism of it, it would be, like you said, that maybe cut out about half an hour. Um, but I bought into it. I bought into what I was supposed to buy into. I would so have, did I. I would have liked to have seen more Godzilla. I really would have. I understood what they were doing, but that doesn't mean I wouldn't have liked to have seen more. But well, what we've we... seen Godzilla now, so I would hope that in the second movie, like... It, they, I hope they pull the Rocky trick where Godzilla 2 opens right where Godzilla 1 ended. Yes, that'd be so cool. You know, we see him going back down into the water yes. and swimming off, and we follow yes. him to the Savage Land. and Yes, to wherever know, he ha- he's he going. He has his little break, and then, you know, some other Mudo threat starts up, and he's got to go back into training and come back and do it. There you go. Well, Erish, thank you so much. Hey, Steve, for coming on this the show. was so much fun. I had a blast. You're going to have to come back. We're going to have to talk. Oh, I would, I would love to. Talk all kinds of crap. Um, I would love to. This be- was a blast and a half. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Buy a t-shirt online, everyone. You can go to geekoutonline.com. Buy the new Geek Out Loud t-shirt. Just click on Gulliver Store at the top of geekoutonline.com. We're sold out of extra large. We still have both big boy sizes and small, medium, and large available. They're really comfortable. They're some of the best shirts we've ever made. You can find them at geekoutonline.com. Click on the Goliverse store. While you're there, check out the Amazon links and the Entertainment Earth links and uh, help support this site and this show. On this on this post at geekoutpodcast.com, there's a ton of Amazon links to Godzilla movies. So head over to geekoutpodcast.com to find this and click through and just pick out one and get it, and you'll support the show by doing that. You can follow us on Twitter at Geek Out Loud on Twitter. Arish is at Darth underscore Duff on the Twitter. At Darth Duff on the Twitter. Facebook.com slash Geek Out Loud. And Facebook.com slash Star Wars Books. Is that correct, Arish? Yes. Okay. 
Yeah, it, and uh, at Delray Star Wars on Twitter. At Delray Star Wars on Twitter. You can email us with your thoughts on Godzilla and a bazillion other things at geekoutpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget, we post our live schedule every Sunday at geekoutonline.com. We're a proud part of the Shot Glass Digital Radio Network, along with such great podcasts as Bondcast, Techno Retro Dads, Fictional Frontiers, and of course, the flagship Rebel Force Radio. Well, Erish, once again, thank you so much. I hope to have you back, man. Thanks, Steve. This, like I said, a lot of fun. I'd love to come back. And uh, we will catch you guys next time for Air Schoenweiss. I'm Steve Glosson. Appreciate you guys joining, especially those of you live in the chat. We'll see you next time on Geek Out Loud.